promise of this house is we send burning arrows. Burning, yeah, not just arrows. Burning arrows. So we just bless you now. We say, go be mighty. We give you permission. And we actually just call out your identity. Mighty one. Mighty one. We say, go be mighty. Don't hide. You don't have to hide. It's time to be mighty. And so we just bless you now in the name of Jesus. We say, go in the spirit of everything you've learned here. And then go be hungry to learn more. And we just bless you. We just we just declare there's going to come those that come to you and say, I, I think you know how to do this. Can you teach us how to do this? And so we just we say that there's an anointing coming on you to actually teach others what you've learned. And so we just bless you and we and, and we, we send you. We send you now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I've had this one in youth group since she was this high. Um, she's, she's, I've only known her since she was tall. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, and Danae, thank you for rolling with me. I'm totally going out of order here, Danae. And you know what? Thank our sound team for being amazing. Um, okay. There we are. All right. Carrie Martin, you ready? All right. All right. So, um... Riley, your, um, your word this morning just goes along right with this. And, you know, God's building a new generation that will bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. But before we can do that, we have, to, uh, we have to break down the strongholds that are here from our past. The past, the racial injustice and the racial, um, the stronghold of racial, dis- sorry, racial injustice and division. And we have to break that down. And so I was crying out. These things started to happen. I said, when is this cycle going to end, the protests and riots? When is it going to end? Ever since I was a kid, I would see them. And I said, when is it going to end? God, give us solutions. Give your people solutions. And, man, I just got this vision. of called, It's called the Love Canvas. So what we did, these guys were very gracious to do a mini, mini event. And um, the idea behind it is that we're going to go to the courthouse on September 26th, and we're inviting people from the black community to come and voice their story. Give them a voice to tell their story. And this is, to the, this is the body of Christ. It's not, it's not a racial thing. It's the body of Christ. It's time for us to stand up and to break down the strongholds of division and injustice in this world. And so we did this, and... Uh, ah. So what we do is we sit down and they tell their story as they paint. It's a creative outlet for them to paint. They're telling their story. They're, um, I've got my notes here because I can't remember. It's, we're going to build relationship, speak identity into them, and just love them. I mean, that's it. That's it. Love will break down the hate in our society. And breaking Speaking identity into people will break injustice. It is kingdom justice by putting identity into people and the Father's love and allowing them to feel the Father's love. And so these people did this, and I want to, we have a special story here about Deanna. Like, she was painting away, and it was just kind of going, and man, her, her facilitator, that's what we call him, the facilitator sits down and listens to their story, and they had a, they had a very strong bond. 
they created a very strong bond as they were talking. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her facilitator and said, you're a warrior. And that came out in her painting, and her says, warrior love. And that's exactly who she is. She's a warrior, man. She's a warrior. One of his, he, he came up with a lot of identity statements, and he's, his first one was loved. He is loved. And he knows this, and you can see this. This is a butterfly in the shape of a heart. And so, and it's pretty good. And then over here, Carol, sorry, that's, um, <laughs> Dedrick, sorry. This is Carol. And she knew her identity. She knew from the start. As she started to paint, man, she got out the Bible. She started looking at the Bible. And she came and says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And it says, I am here for you. Who are you here for? And she knew. She knows she's a child of God. She didn't, you know, she knows it. And so she's free. And we need to release freedom into the black community. And this is, and what we're needing, we're going to have to break down the strongholds. Break down the strongholds of racial division. Instead of hate, we have to love. Instead of injustice, we have to release identity and bring justice. And instead of, instead of division, we've got to unify. And that's what the Love Canvas does. And we're just asking you to come back to the table. You can come and look at the paintings. And we just need facilitators, people to sit down with people in the black community and listen to their stories. We will have training provided so that you don't go in just... You know, um, we have a training manual already written to help you through that, to ask the right questions. And then um, we also, um, just if you want to sew into it, if you don't feel led to be a facilitator, you can sew sew into it. And we just have a table back here at the back if you'd like to come and see more about it. We'd love to talk to you if you have any questions. Thank you. All right, last one. Elizabeth is going to come out and share something new that we're doing here at the church. All right. First of all, we have to clear up the college announcement. College students, it's 7 p.m. Your hangout is 7 p.m. today, not 5. Yes, it was. Uh, no one else previewed it. <laughs> the people that actually knew, evidently. <laughs> so uh, we got a lot, lot of things happening. But we live off this uh, run sheet here. <laughs> so thank you, Jesus, for planning center. All right. Uh, <laughs> so uh, how do I even start? So we have been just all year long. Uh, this was before COVID. Uh, it was actually probably after the holidays. We were like, okay, God, how do we give people a map? for engagement, a roadmap for how to be involved in the house, how to serve, how to connect, how to become a member, all of these things that, you know, sometimes we just don't talk about because it's not, you know, it's not always, you know, coming from the pulpit every week or, you know what I'm saying, we're <laughs> worshiping and preaching. And uh, those are things that are, you know, more family. Uh, but we are going to do a much better job about that. The Lord really has been leading us in that. So uh, we actually put it on paper. And uh, if I could go ahead and have that partnership pathway slide. Perfect. All right. So this is it. It looks like a DNA strand <laughs> um, because we are one. We are the body of Christ, right? So the very first step is come. That's pretty easy, right? You can all do that. If you're here. You, you met the first criteria. Come worship Jesus and encounter his love. Come connect with our message. So this is something that, you know, when we have first-time visitors, that's 
That's where they are. So if you're first time today, there you go. You, you made the sheet. Um, the, second, the second step, if I could call it, is called um, curious. And what we want to do, um, that has a typo in it. It's not a, it's not a month. Yeah, it is. Monthly. It's, a <laughs> it's not monthly. It's monthly. But it's <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> monthly. Uh, now maybe you'll remember. No, I'm just kidding. It's at 5 p.m. Just kidding. <laughs> um, so what we want to do is offer something. Uh, we're actually going to do the first Sunday of the month right after the service in Narnia. We are going to welcome our uh, our visitors and people that are new to the community and would like to learn more about who we are. All right, so it's a time for us. Tim and I will be doing that. We're going to share who we are, and we want to get to know you. So if you haven't done something like that, next Sunday, we're going to start this. We're just going to go for it. And uh, it's called Intro Hour. So we're going, to, we're going to talk about these next two steps, basically, what it looks like to be part of our culture, what it looks like. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right, thanks. <laughs> what it looks like. What does that say? Okay, that says the same thing as mine. Okay, I have it on my phone. Uh, uh, you know, in, what's our DNA? And so that will be just 45 minutes, and we're going to have child care. Just come. So uh, we also want to prophetically bless people there. So you'll be hearing about it every month because we're going to, you know, advertise it, promote it for you. Uh, for new people to be there. Uh, the next step in the pathway uh, is our DNA explained, and that is is our culture. We actually feel like the Lord um, is leading us to do uh, two one-hour classes. Um, these will be uh, uh, like an evening. Uh, we're not going to try to cram it into Sunday uh, because we want an opportunity for the Lord to move there. We want an opportunity for people to ask questions. But you need to know our DNA because some of the things we do might seem weird sometimes. <laughs> or, you know, or, or you just aren't really sure what we believe and, you know, what we feel the Lord is leading us to do as a body. We want you to know that. We want you to feel connected. Uh, we want you to be in the strand <laughs> the DNA strand. Uh, so then finally, uh, it's commit. And at that DNA class, we're going to talk about that. What does it look like to develop deeper relationships? If you have felt isolated, if you felt alone, if you have not felt connected to, to the body of believers here, um, that's what we want to talk about. We want to develop deeper relationships. We want you to be connected and serving to give back to the community. Because how many of you know that when we refresh others, we will be refreshed. That's what Proverbs tells us. So we want to give away what God is doing in our lives. Each one of you have a unique gift. Each one of you have a unique calling. And I can't be you. Only you can. And so maybe it's, you know, greeting at the door. Maybe it's working with the children. Maybe it's upstairs helping us out, you know, on our AV team. Who knows? That is giving. That is serving. And that is being part of the community. And the very last word on there is partnership. We really do want to walk people into their destiny. We want to walk, walk people into what he's called them to do. So whether that be, you know, here or elsewhere, it doesn't matter. We want to partner with you to get there. And, you know, it can be just as simple as leading your family well. 
That's a big deal, right? It says the world will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. Do we love our family well? Do we love our neighbors well? I mean, that we feel is the ultimate calling. It starts there. And then what if you're called to the nations? You know, like there, it's, it's, it's the full gamut. It's the full picture. But it starts right here. And it starts in our commitment to one another and our commitment to the Lord. So that's what it looks like partnership pathways. So you'll be hearing a little bit more about it, but we wanted you to see this all at once. We won't talk about this every week, sorry, <laughs> but you will hear more about that uh, monthly, <laughs> monthly, how did we say it in the monthly intro hour? And that will be next Sunday at the end of service, directly at the end of service, all right? And it's, uh, it'll be short, so, all right, is that it? Is there anything else I'm supposed to do? All right. There I am. It's, I believe this, that we're in a huge season of re-engagement and engagement. And we'll be talking about this more, but actually in December I was sitting with, uh, with Jay Moeller and uh, Joel Lowry from Sozo, who's meeting here on Sunday afternoons, and Jay is the pastor of Legacy in New Braunfels, and they're my friends. And we were just hanging out, and I just told them, I said, I feel like the Lord is telling me that 2020, now this gets scary, right, is going to be a year of relaunch. We're going to have to relaunch. And, and they were like, what does that mean? And we wrote all these things down that were wrong. And, and, uh, and, and they wrote more things down that were wrong. And then COVID came. And then it was like, it's clear, like, no, we're going to relaunch into destiny again, relaunch into, listen, the Lord has promised not just this church, but the church in San Marcos, he's promised us the city. He's promised your family to walk in wholeness and health and fullness. He's promised your kids to, to outrun you. He's promised us to raise kids from birth till we hand them an arrow. And go be mighty. Go be powerful. He's promised those things to us. He's promised us to give us the desires of our heart. He's done all those things. And we have to be a people, though, who want to say yes to it. And so I'm about to say yes to something that's super hard right now, okay? And what do I mean by that? Because sometimes God asks us to do things that are different. And we just have to say yes. I need to see a yes from everyone in this room right now if you're willing to do what the Holy Spirit just asked me to do. Okay, here's why. Because there's a few of you that are going to have to do that. So, all right. So, Chris is going to come help me because I don't dance. And, and so, uh, you can just start the music, I guess. And, and then I'm going to start prophesying. So, Kelly, I need you to stand up. Right there. Sue, would you stand up? It's interesting y'all are sitting near. I actually heard the Lord ask me. If he could have this dance. And he said that, this is what he said. He, he told me, he said, I'm actually going to show you that all the steps that have looked like missteps are actually steps in the dance. And that he is redeeming every step you've ever made that the enemy has declared misstep. And he says, no, it's dance. It's dance. So here's what we're going to do. Chris is actually going to ask Kelly to dance. Actually, William, here's where I need your help. You are going to ask your lovely wife to dance. 
You can dance here in the aisleway. There you go. Now, it doesn't have to be good. Yeah, but you're already doing better than me. The Lord actually says right now, He is redeeming every place. And when the enemy tries to bring something up, you just dance. Because it's a time to dance. And Kelly, I just feel like the Lord is saying to you that you're going to just, you're going to learn how to dance so well with your steps that you've walked that others are going to follow in your steps. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Y'all didn't want to see me do that. It would have been ugly. No, really, I think that sometimes the Lord wants us. You can't have, you can't throw words around like creative and then never do anything different. You know, and if if you're new with us and that just totally freaks you out, I just encourage you to let Him redeem your dance. Let him redeem your story. See, it it looks like, and I love it because it was fun and everybody started having a good time. I was hoping it wasn't going to be heavy. But in the end of the day, those are the words that set our course. I have words like that from when I'm 18, 19, 20 that I'm living in now. And some people could have said, oh, that was just a little prophetic word for someone on the front row. But for me, it was, I'll never be the same. And so just I just say to you guys, you're never going to be the same. Amen. Fine. We're doing good here. Turn with me to Isaiah 65.8. I'm actually going to read it out of the King James and the NIV. It's actually better in the King James. It's a... I was about to say it was a miracle moment, but um, so if you can actually uh, throw up that, perfect, yeah, Danae is on fire today. Uh, the, the scripture says, thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and then it says, don't destroy it for the blessing is in it. So will I do for my servant's sake that I may not destroy them all and And I just want you to understand, I feel like the Lord has actually been speaking to me more about the cluster of grapes. So could you throw up the picture for me? And this is, like I said last week, this is a cluster of grapes. These are Zinfandel grapes. And I want you to see the ones on your far right are completely ripe. But the one in the middle is halfway there. And I feel like the Lord has been speaking to me that there's the anointing is in the cluster. And Isaiah 65, so there's two things you can take from this. There's a cluster anointing in this room that we all bring together. And as we mature, the new wine that comes out of us 
is going to be staggering. You can take that however you want. But the new wine that is going to come from the cluster of grapes that's on the inside of us, you individually, God is developing those in maturity levels at, at different places. And, and see, I think the interesting thing about maturity is as we grow in the Lord, we think we are mature because there are certain places that God has brought to the dark grape. What's crazy is there could be an area of our life, the next area, that's totally green and ready to be matured. And God's saying, I need the cluster anointing out of you. I don't want just one grape juice. I want the whole cluster because it's out of the cluster the new wine comes. And he's saying, I'm looking to develop you and I'm, I'm looking for maturity. See, we talk about maturity a lot of times and I think we think about it like a ladder, but this has totally changed my thinking that there's places in us that are totally mature and there's places that just need Jesus. And here's a, the perfect example. And some of you have seen this, some of you haven't. Uh, I have seen where children, my own children, stand up and prophesy over nations. Like, literally, like, Timothy and Damaris, 8, 9, 10, prophesying over nations. And the next minute, in full rebellion, because they're hungry. <laughs> no, what am I using? I'm using an illustration that one area of their life was totally maturing, and the other one, they were still a child. You can be prophesying over a nation the next minute, like, where's my goldfish? You took my goldfish. Yeah. And then I, and, and he did take them always. And she did have an anger problem. What am I saying? It's a perfect example of how God works in our lives. So we're like, I'm so mature. And there may be an area that's right next to your maturity that's totally green. And he's saying, I need the cluster anointing to come out of you. I want the new wine to come out of you. And in order for that to happen, you have to embrace maturity. You have to embrace it and quit acting like you're so mature. And before the Lord, and like, God, we've got this all figured out, you and me. And God's saying, hey, that area I love, but this area I want to work on. And when I mean work on, I want to call you up. I want to get you up out of that. I want to actually get you from a fighting mentality to a victorious mentality in this area. And we talked so much about the last week about the call to glory, and it's not a metaphor. He wants us to see it, but I, I'm telling you, glory is how we're going to do this. We're going to get in his presence more. It's one of our DNA. We talked about our DNA. Listen, it is, it is not up for option. We're not doing anything in here without his presence. I'm going to say it again. We're not doing anything in here. Your presence doesn't go. What will distinguish us from the business world? What will distinguish us from clubs, social clubs? What will distinguish us from the bar where people go and get filled up? Get filled up on the wrong thing. And I don't just mean drink. I mean their needs, their society, their community, all those things. What will distinguish us? Without his presence. And, and please, I, please let that be the cry of your life. God, I, I'm, I'm going to get in your presence. Go with me. Going to work today. Go with me. I'm going to talk to this person today. Go with me. Because what will distinguish me? 
Listen, I hate it when people are like, oh, you're a pastor. It's actually my least favorite thing because it either means that they're about to religiously talk to me or shut down. And so uh, most of the time, both, actually. And, and, and so a lot of times I'll be like, oh, I'm just a leader of people when they ask me what I do. And they're like, oh, you lead people? Like, what do you lead them into? I'm like, you know, like growth and finding their identity and what God's saying. And they're like, that's so cool. <laughs> like, how can I come be part of that? I'm like, oh, well, we have a church. And they're like, oh, I've already got them on the line by that point, you know? <laughs> And I'm telling you, there has to be something in us that will commit to this place where we just say, God, it's your presence. Come, mature the cluster in me. Not just that I can prophesy or I'm, I'm, I love to worship and all this. And those are wonderful. Those are ripe grapes. But what about like integrity or commitment or giving? Oh, he said giving. Listen, there's some people that are so mature in giving, it blows my mind. They make, they make a third of the money they make and, that you make, and they outgive you. I know what some of the biggest givers in our church make, and I'm astounded. Because I'm like, they have matured in that place of giving. And if you wonder, I don't look at the book. Tom, that's the truth. I never look at the books, right? Because I don't judge you by what you give. I'm going to say that again on the camera. Here I am. I don't judge you by what you give. I don't even want to know. But I know there's places of maturity in us. And why are people like that? Why were all of a sudden they are so generous? Why? Because they have encountered a generous father. And they can't help it, man. Even if they're like, I don't want to give. God's like, but I'm generous. Here it is. Why? Because they've encountered glory in a specific way. And I think we've made glory so general that it hasn't transformed us. We say things like, woo, we were in the glory. I'm like, well, what part of the glory? And sometimes you don't know because it's big. I just know it was glory. That, that's a suitable answer. But sometimes there's glory of like, man, we were giving away our fear of losing our salvation today in his glory. I remember that day when I'll never, I'll never doubt if I'm saved again because we were in his glory that day. I'm using an illustration from today. Why? Because glory has pieces that then attach to it and we, and we begin to be transformed because we've had a revelation of that glory. And so I, I, here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to talk for a minute about glory and then I'm going to do a small transition because one of the most interesting things that I believe that the opposite of glory in the Bible is shame. And the enemy doesn't want us to live in glory. He wants us to live in shame. So even right now, as I'm talking about maturity, the enemy is probably already working over overtime, saying, yeah, you're not maturing. You're not mature. You're, you've got no purple grapes on you, just green. What's he doing? He's calling you right into shame. And so Timothy's actually going to come and help me, and he's going to do a little piece on shame. But I just want to talk about it. it it's 2 Corinthians. Let's just read it. Someone told me the other day, y'all don't use very much Bible. I was like, it's all we use. I, I don't. I'm, I mean, I'm happy if I tell a personal story, you know. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we who with unveiled faces, you all have unveiled faces. Woo! 
If you are in the kingdom, your face is unveiled to the glory of the Lord. If you are a believer in Jesus, if, you, if five seconds ago you said, I believe you're my Lord and Savior, you have an unveiled face. I love that phrase. We, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I, I just want to remind you that all the glory comes from the Lord, not your ability to get in the glory. It's just like faith. Your faith can't mean your faith. It has to be in God. And glory has to be because I've been with Him, not because I, I understand how... And, and look how good I am at this. You're actually already stealing, you're already losing your glory if you're doing that. If you think that you're good at, at that. Listen, glory comes from the Lord. But what happens when we get in the glory? We're transformed. We're completely transformed. There's an area where God starts saying, like, I love you. I love you. Why is he saying that? Because there might be something in us sometimes that says, man, I don't know if God loves me. And all of a sudden, in the glory, it starts transforming us. A year later, the Satan comes to you and says, oh, you're not loved. Say, yes, I am. I've been with the Father, and he's been telling me how much he loves me. And, and it's not a doubt, and it's not a confusion, it's not even a question. Because you've been with him in glory. You've been transformed in that place. Maybe you've seen God come and be Jehovah Rapha, a healer, and the enemy comes and says, oh, God doesn't heal that. Yes, he does. Why? Because I have experienced His glory as I saw someone or I laid hands on someone and their bones cracked back into place or their back came into a line or their cancer dissolved. See, all of a sudden you're transformed. People can try to prove it to you biblically, but you're like, I know He's healer. I've seen it. And then I can prove it more that He is. If there's any question, just let's just go to the Word. Jehovah Rapha, it's His nature. He said, what should we call you? Say, oh, Jehovah Rapha, you're healer. I'm healer. What else should we call you? I told you I'm healer. Call me healer. So three things, and I'm going to turn it over to Timothy. What happens in his glory? He reveals his nature. He reveals the very nature of who he is. And and there's so many stories we could go to, but think think about Moses. And he says, that beautiful phrase, he says what? Show me your glory, God. Exodus 33, 18, 19, 20. And the Lord says, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. I will proclaim my name. I thought we were doing glory, God. And he says, we are. We're doing nature. Why? Because in the Hebrew, you named people their identity. That's why the worst name in the Bible is Jabez. Because mom was dying and she named him pain. I call you a pain. And so every time someone said Jabez, they were saying, hey, pain, get over here. But God redeemed that. Because that's who he is. He's a redeemer. It's one of his natures. See, if you don't know that about him, your past still hovers over you like a cloud. But if you know him as redeemer, it's a dance. It's a beautiful dance. What am I saying? In his glory, he reveals his nature. He says, this is who I am. Come take part of it. Don't just know it. That's what I really want to say about his glory today. Please don't 
categorize his glory and these are the sections I know about his glory, please walk out and say, these are the expressions of his nature that I have been with. I've been with him as healer. I've been with him as redeemer. I've been with him as forgiver. I've been with unconditional love. Listen, unconditional love changed my life. When all of a sudden I realized there's nothing I can do to earn it. And then he said, nothing that you can do to lose it either. See, but if we think it's conditional, our behavior determines our love pattern. What else do we get in his glory? Because Timothy's coming. We get his power. He reveals his power. I'm just going to tell you over the next six months, I believe the Lord has told me we are about to go on a journey with this power. Not a discussion, a journey. We're going to see it. We're going we're gonna to let it get all over us. We're going to put it on like armor and like the most comfy jammies you've ever had. Sometimes you think about armor, you think about it clanging around. I want it to be comfortable, the glory of the Lord, the power of God. And, and I just... I feel like that I, I discussed this a little bit last week, so I just want to say, but part of the revealing of his glory is seeing how big he is. His grandness, his nature of, of man, he's bigger than everything. He's bigger than the problem I'm having right now. Why? Because that's why David said, come let us magnify the Lord together. He wasn't saying we need false glasses. He was saying we need to get in the glory and realize how big God is. And as we magnify the Lord or we see the magnification of who He is, all the things that are standing against us get smaller. And then you realize, like, power. I just want to give you one illustration of this. I was reading in Luke 10 a few weeks ago, and we were in Pensacola, and I was just just reading through the Gospels, and I heard Him say, I'm Lord of the harvest. And I said, yeah, I know that, Luke 10. And He said, yeah, I know you know it. I'm reminding you. And I realized he was inviting me into something. What was he inviting me into? He was inviting me into a pressure-free, religious-free, evangelical approach to life. He was inviting me in to just, I'm the Lord of the harvest. I'm doing the harvest. And I've been praying about COVID and stuff, and he's like, harvest is coming out of this. I'm like, and everybody's like, how? And I'm just, because we got Lord of the harvest. And he has declared he's the Lord of the harvest. What am I saying? There will be moments where the power of God is bigger than strategy. It will be bigger than your understanding. It will be bigger than all the ways to get there. You'll just know, I know harvest is coming because he's Lord of the harvest. And he said the fields are ripe with harvest. They're ripe, they're ripe. So all of a sudden, I just got to get into his glory and believe it. Wait a minute. He said he's Lord of the harvest. He does it, he brings it, and he will provide the laborers. So it's his heart and his desire. See, we get into that, then you reveal, you're revealed his power, and all of a sudden I don't have to say, oh, we, need, we got to train in evangelism. I just say, we got to get in his glory. Will we train you? Yes. You want more training? Raise your hand. We'll give it to you. That means you got to show up, though, when we do it. Funny, but very true. Like, we want to learn to prophesy. Four people show up. We want to know how to evangelize. And people are like, oh, it's scary. No, it's not. Just let love happen. And remember, he's Lord of the harvest. And you don't get to put one on your belt after you lead it to the Lord. You get to say, God, you're Lord of the harvest. All glory to you. 
Last one, real quick. He reveals eternity. He reveals eternity. Ecclesiastes 3.11. Can you just throw that up there for me today? It says, He has made everything beautiful in His time. That's why we dance today. It says, He has also set eternity in the hearts of the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. I believe this. That, that is such an offer to explore. No trespassing to me means, can we look over the fence? Oh, wait, let's go under the fence. Oh, wait, let's go play around in the field. Now, maybe that's not your personality, but it's always been mine. Oh, if we can't go there, why not? What's there? It must be better than where we're at if we're not allowed to go there. And it says it's the glory of kings to search out a matter in Proverbs. And it's God's glory to conceal a matter. He's saying, yeah, right now in this, because see, Solomon in all of his wisdom is still old covenant. And he can't even search out or fathom the beginning and the end. But in new covenant, Jesus says, let's go for a walk. Let's get in here and walk around and explore and find out. I want to put eternity in your heart. I want to show you what I want to do in the future. I want to show you what I've done in the past. I want to show you my love story about Jesus and the garden. I want to see that you're not plan B. I want you to see I don't make mistakes. I want you to see I'm faithful. Those only really happen in in eternity. Why? Because time tries to convolute all those things. Like, well, if God was good, why did my aunt who loved the Lord for 80 years die of cancer? I don't know, but I know he's good. Maybe you need to go on a journey with him in his glory. And I think you might run into your aunt and she'll say, hey, he's good. You might run into the Holy Spirit and say, let me show you her life and this dance and everyone it touched and everyone that flowed out of it and then tell me I'm not good. So what do we do? Well, we got to resist shame, right? Because in Genesis 2.25, it says, can we just throw that up there? She's faster than I am at turning. Get it, she's on fire. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Why? Because they were clothed with the glory of the Lord. They were clothed in his presence. There was no sin in the garden. So there was nothing to be ashamed of. And the enemy always wants to take and take us out of glory and into shame. Always, oh my gosh, we said the word naked in church and there's giggling. <laughs> it was too easy, sorry. But I, I just, I, I, I want us to understand that the trade-off for glory in the scripture is shame. It says in Hosea 4, 7, it says, as the priest increased, meaning they were learning the role and understanding how it was before. It says, they traded their glory for shame. In the King James, it says, they exchanged their glory for something of, they, uh, for shame. Why? Because they thought they had it all figured out. And they thought they knew how to do the system. The problem is the system was never created to be without God. So they weren't with God, and guess what happened? They exchanged their glory for shame. The glory was they were getting to be in the presence of God in that covenant when no one else was. Our glory is that we get to be with Him anytime we want. And don't trade it for shame. Don't let the enemy come 
and trade shame. You ready? Get up here. So I, I really feel this, that Timothy actually is carrying an incredible word from the Lord on. on how to reject shame. And so he's going to go for a few minutes, and I'm going to come up and talk about no more being ashamed, and then we're going to, be, we're going to get all healed up. Come on, guys. Yeah, so I don't have much time here, so I'm, we're just going to get right to it. I want to talk to you about how shame can turn into a cycle of condemnation. And I want to start with a story. Um, growing up, guys, it doesn't matter what, how good your home is. It doesn't matter. It literally, literally doesn't matter how you grow up. It doesn't matter anything. There's going to find, we're not perfect beings yet. So sin is going to find a way into your life. And whatever that sin is, it's going to try and it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to grab you. What's the saying from Daddy? It's going to keep you longer than you want to stay. It's going to take you further than you want to go, and it's going to cost more than you want to pay. That's what sin is. And my first year at Bethel, see, I had, I was like, no more. I'm choosing to walk away from this in my life. And I did great. No sin. Six months later, the devil came pounding at the door. It wasn't a knock. And you know what? I messed up. And you know, I want to tell you right now why that was. It was because I had chosen to let go of sin, but I hadn't chosen to let go of condemnation in my life. I was still in a cycle of condemnation. You know what that does? The first step is shame. So what causes shame? It can be sin. It can be a mistake. Guys, not all mistakes are sin. I want to just like... For some reason in the church and in Christianity, we have to be perfect or we're sinful. We can make mistakes that aren't sin. What's a mistake we can make that's not sinful? It's to not do something. You, you get woken up at 4 a.m., you're tired. I mean, you're sleepy. I, I don't know if you're a morning person. Bless you if you are. Maybe God's like at 9 p.m. like, hey, let's get together. And you're like, I want to go to bed so I can wake up at 4. But it's the opposite for me. It's like, hey, maybe I need to go to bed at 9 so I can wake up at 4 because God's waking me up. And I'm like, oh, I just choose to go to bed. I wake up. Shame is at the door like, you didn't spend time with God. Ha, ha, ha. You know what? Now I'm going to have a field day. Okay? And so that's the next step. It's condemnation. From the enemy, sometimes it's a situation. So like, say we're doing really good, and then it happens again, and it can slip us right back into our own condemnation. Or it's the enemy is like, see, you did it again. What does that lead to? It leads to self-condemnation. So this is really where I kind of want to sit here for a second. Shame and condemnation, it's all on the devil. And the devil knows that he has no authority in our life. So what he wants to do is he wants to just keep pouring the water on the stone until it breaks down. He wants he, Because he's so small that he's just throwing pebbles at us. He's like, maybe, maybe this will knock down the gate. Hopefully. And it's like, oh, I, I didn't spend time with the Lord. Oh, I didn't pray when I should have. I didn't, oh, I didn't prophesy over that person in H-E-B. I saw someone limping and I didn't pray for healing. Or, or maybe it's more intense than that. Maybe it's, Oh, crap. I went out and got drunk at the square last night. I smoked a crap ton of weed. I got high off my butt. All this stuff, whatever it is. And it's like, 
It doesn't matter if you've walked away from that, but if you come back into that, the next step is this. You wake up in the morning, and you're looking at yourself in the mirror, and you're like, you're terrible. You're a horrible human being. How could you? And then you start to have bad self-talk, guys. And then, like, all throughout the day, you're like, you're worthless. You're a piece of crap. I hate you. When you start to get to that point of, I hate you, then you're living in self-condemnation. You're actually doing the enemy's job for him. And so he's not even having to come and tell you you're terrible. You're not doing a good job because you're doing it. And then it has authority, guys. And then, then that's when demons start coming in. And they're like, oh, heck yeah, this is my place now. And that's how you build strongholds, by partnering. And it all started with one little mistake. I, I, I didn't wake up and I didn't, speak, I didn't spend time with the Lord. You see... That can be a cycle over years. For me, that's what it was. But sometimes it can be as quick as one day. Now, I don't want to leave it there because this has no power over us. You know what? In the Old Testament, maybe, maybe they had to trade their glory for shame and they couldn't get back into the glory. But you know what? Jesus came. And you know what he did? He died on the cross for us so that we can step back into it right away. That's what redemption is. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I need to get back to the notes because I have, I have eight minutes. I'm going to be good here, I promise. I'm going to be a Darnell that ends at 1230. <laughs> <laughs> a third generation, maybe we'll end at 1230. <laughs> it took two generations to get there. Alrighty. Um, <laughs> so how do we recognize this? Well, maybe, maybe it's, it starts with this. You're in church, and someone like me preaches something like this, and the Holy Spirit starts to say, hey, I don't want you to talk bad about yourself to yourself. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit comes to you the moment of, and it's like, choose forgiveness. Choose to forgive yourself, because I already have. It doesn't matter if you don't have to wait till the next day to ask for forgiveness. The moment you make a mistake, the moment you sin, the moment anything happens, you can choose to ask for forgiveness and step right back with the Lord. That sounds crazy and it sounds like it doesn't work, but that's what God made. That's, the, that's what he chose for us, right? Okay, what's the other? Maybe it's your leader or your mentor. Someone in your life that you're walking in step with, Maybe you're like, man, I've been living like this for, for 10 years, and I don't know what's going on. You have a meeting with Pastor Tim. You're like, you just start telling him, and he's like, hey, I think, you have, I think you're in condemnation of yourself. And then you have a moment of freedom. Maybe it's your f- friends and family. Like, hey, I don't think that's, that's healthy to talk to yourself that way, you know, like, because sometimes we lash out. At, you, know when we, you know when we hate ourselves, it's actually impossible to love other people? Wait, hear me here, okay? We can give love, but deep down, the hate will eventually start to come out, and you'll hurt someone that you love. And then, then you'll go back right, right back into shame. Oh, you talk terrible to your husband or wife or your kids or your friends, and here we go, condemnation. And then we get right back into self-condemnation. It's a circle. But you know what? There's a way to break the circle. Alrighty? There's probably more ways, but the way that the Holy Spirit put in my heart is it's a revelation of truth. Something the Lord revealed to me right before I got up here was like, hey, we've been talking about this for weeks here. 
Some of us, we all have this knowledge. A lot of us grew up here, grew up in church. That, oh, I, I'm more than a conqueror. I am, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm, and all this stuff, but it hasn't become truth yet. It's just fact and knowledge for you. Okay? I want this to become truth for you right here. If you're struggling for this. So, what's the first truth? God has forgiven us. Can you throw up that Ephesians 1 verse? In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins and according with his riches, God's grace, who he gives, thank you, that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Okay, I don't have time to go into the whole first chapter, but it's literally talking about how we are sons and daughters of God. It doesn't matter what we've done because Jesus already paid for it. I've already kind of gone there, so let's go to the next point. No condemnation is a gift. John 8. Okay, I'm going to paraphrase here because we don't have time to go through the whole thing. The woman is caught in adultery, and the Pharisees are like, oh, we got Jesus now. They drag her out. She probably, I mean, like, the mental image here, like, this is terrible for this woman. Biggest mistake of her life. The teachers of the law storm in. They grab her. They drag her out and throw her before Christ, Jesus himself, and say, oh, we got him. Not thinking about the woman who is embarrassed, who is now for the rest, who for the rest of her life, could live in condemnation, self-condemnation of being seen naked, being seen in her worst moment in front of an entire group of people because they brought her to the temple. They didn't bring her just into the street. They brought her to the house of God in her weakest moment. Right before Jesus. And he said, who among you has sinned? And the teachers of the law are like, crap. So they just turn around and walk away. And then everyone else, they just, they leave. The temple empties. He picks her up and he says, no condemnation is a gift from God. I don't condemn you, so who else will? Go and sin no more. He didn't even let the cycle start. He said, no, you will walk in my glory from this moment on. Okay? Romans 8, nothing can separate us from God, nor disqualify us. Romans 8.35, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But there is a list of things that are shame. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? In 1 Corinthians 1.13, it says that God is love. So who can separate us from Jesus himself? Nothing. No sin, no mistake, no condemnation, nothing the enemy says, no demons, no angels. It doesn't matter because he paid for it. He paid for us to not be disqualified. So there's not even an inch that shame can wiggle and say, well, you did this. No, if Hitler had asked for forgiveness, God would have forgiven him. We look at one of the worst men in history. If he had asked for forgiveness, God on the spot, no questions asked forgiven. Now there's consequences in the world, but we don't have to go into that. We're talking about what God does right now. Okay, last point. God forgets on purpose. 1 Corinthians 13.5. Love keeps no record of wrong. Who is love? God is love. He forgets on purpose, guys. You want to know why? Because he does not want to condemn you because he's already paid for what you did. Why would he buy something twice? If you own, if you own something, if you own an iPhone 10X, why would you buy another iPhone 10X? You wouldn't. So God's not going to do the same thing. He's already paid for our sin. He's like, I don't need to buy your sin. 
You're forgiven. I own it. I own all of it. Jesus became sin so that I don't have to condemn sin. All righty, guys. Oh, I know. It's 1230. It's 1230. We're going to be good. So why don't you come up? You ready? <laughs> I did it. I stopped preaching at 1230, guys. But we have a little bit to go. Because only to stop to win. Not because he was done. <laughs> but I... Just stay up here. I, yeah. I, can y'all feel it? It's it's what revelation does. Now I'm going to be so honest. When Timothy was little, I could see condemnation get on him, and we would put our foreheads together, and I would tell him, "Hey, this isn't who you are." And and of course, we could hold that off because that was our authority. But there was a moment where he had to have revelation from the presence of God, from the glory of God, from the Father himself, where he said, hey, and he didn't tell you a story, but Chris Gore, you're not watching, but if you were, there was a moment he set Timothy free where he just said, we don't live like that. We don't live in that shame culture. You get up here and pray for people, literally. And Yeah, okay, yeah. so real quickly... Um, he loses. <laughs> All righty. And the score is 117 to 116, whatever. All righty. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So I sinned, and the next morning was healing rooms, and Chris Gore had called me and said, hey, I'm going to have Benny Hinn there, and I want him to impart to you everything he has. I've already talked to him. He's in. So, of course, the enemy's going to be like, no, anything to stop that. You know what? I let that cycle of condemnation. It stopped me. I didn't go that morning and get prayer. You know, the, the next step could have been, <laughs> well, I've missed it. I didn't have one of the great revivalists of our nation, of our time, pray for me. And so I'm not going to be one. Mm. But you know what? I had a leader step in and say, no, that is not true. He said, he stopped right at that self-condemnation. He said, nope. No condemnation is a gift from God. And you know what? He started quoting scripture at me faster than like, than a NASCAR driver could have driven. Like, it was just like, I was literally like this, like, whoa, so much, so much scripture. And it was, in that moment, it didn't, it wasn't fact. It became truth for me. And I was instantly set free from the cycle of condemnation. And that's what we want to offer right now to you. So here's, here's what I felt like. Shame is from the enemy. Being ashamed is our partnership with it. Shame is from the enemy, meaning he will always be casting shame at you, and you get to choose glory or shame. But being ashamed is what you do with it. And it's really interesting. I'm just going to read you one verse real quick. Um, it's not up there, Danae, my bad. Um, Hebrews 2.11, it, it says this, it says, this is such a cool verse. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. 
Jesus has already dealt with shame, but he does it in such a way of holiness that it actually begins to declare holiness on us so he can call us brothers and sisters and co-laborers. How are we going to deal with being ashamed? Most of the time, it actually removes us from our identity as child of God. And, and I believe this, that, that God is, is it, Timothy is going to pray for the shame cycle for some of you, because I know that it's, it's real. We've all lived it. The minute you hear it, you're like, I've done that. Right? And if you're not, like, bravo. But most of us know that cycle. But the other piece is, I feel like God is dealing with being ashamed, what we've done with shame. How we've handled shame. And that's why I think he started with the dance. He started with the dance to say, I got no shame in my kingdom. I've got steps that are a dance. And I'm going to redeem them and restore them. And and you're going to get to relive them and not be painful. And people are going to come into my kingdom because you're no longer ashamed. You're not ashamed of, of who you were because God said, now here's who you are. You're not ashamed of yesterday. You're, you're, not in any, you're not in any kind of partnership with shame. Only glory. And so, here's, we're going to get super honest here now. If you've just been, you feel like in the, in the cycle of shame, then condemnation, then the worst step, self-condemnation. And that's been something that the enemy has tried to build in your life. We're literally going to let the glory of God transform that today. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Man, fire. Your hunger is getting rid of it today, brother. Yeah. We say no more. Today's the last day. It stops at this moment. I believe in process. Hey, just a couple people here. Whoa. Whoa. Just stand <laughs> I believe in walking things out, but there's a moment yeah. where God, he steps in and he touches you and he says, no more. In the woman's worst moment in John 8, God stepped in and he said, no more. He didn't just say it to her sin, he said it to condemnation, hmm. to embarrassment. He said, no more. So I just release freedom. Oh. I release freedom from condemnation, from shame, and from being ashamed. Father, I ask just for your sovereign hand, just to even just to, to cover their ears when the enemy starts to scream shame at them. I ask that their muscles to say no to shame and yes to glory would just increase right now. I just release, in Jesus' name, freedom, supernatural freedom. That is partnered with the truth of heaven. Let truth enter your heart. Let it occupy the space that shame and condemnation are trying to occupy. In Jesus' name. Yeah, I just, I feel like the Lord just wants to go deep here for a minute. Can we do that? Y'all good? I just literally, I feel like I saw him taking moments where people have some shame. And, and this one is huge okay but i actually felt like there's some shame about abortion in the room and the lord's saying i'm coming for that today and it's not the only one so it i just felt like that was a just distinct when i needed to mention it and 
And I feel like, though, that there are, there are places where God is literally showing you right now that you, you have had shame instead of glory in your life. And he's wanting to redeem those. So if you're standing, even if, if you need to be standing, just everyone in the room, if you've got a place where you just feel like shame has been more of the portion of something than glory, I want you just to identify that with the Father right now. You know what I mean by that? Just don't relive it. Just bring it up and hand it to, be holding it to the Father. And then I just want you to see Him exchanging shame for glory. His glory. The same glory that's like, go and sin no more. Where are those that condemn you? Neither do I. I I feel like he's literally saying, exchange it with me right now. Exchange it. Don't give it power. Don't agree with it anymore. Don't agree with that that condemning spirit. Why is he going after specific things? Because those are the ones that replay. And a replay without redemption is not allowed in the kingdom. The other thing I I just, the Lord is not going to let me go if I don't say it, that, that some of our partnership in gossip has created an atmosphere of shame for other people. See, I'm not in shame, but I'm going to keep them in shame. And I just feel like the Lord is just showing me that like that we, there's some of us that just need to repent of gossip and just get just let it by because it's stealing your glory. It says it's the glory to be able to cover a multitude of sins. It's our glory. It's our glory to forgive. It's our glory to celebrate what God has done. And gossip is the exact opposite of that. Why am I bringing that up? Because God wants no hint of shame. No hint. So I'm going to ask us all just to stand up right now to these two young fiery captains standing up here. I just say today is your day of freedom. And it's everyone in here, but you have been an example today for everyone. This is how much I'm walking out of shame. I'm walking right out of my seat. And so we just bless you guys right now. We say freedom is your portion. We celebrate, your, we celebrate you as community, as family, as brothers. We celebrate you. We protect you. Now we put on the helmet of salvation. You already have it, but we remind you it keeps out the lies. It keeps out the condemnation. So we just bless you. Would you just hold your hands up to the Lord and just thank Him? I'm mean, glad we're not in shame. We're, we're, we get to be in His glory. We get to be in His nature and eternity and His power. So we just thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you for your nature in our lives. We thank you for glory in our cars, in our homes, in our inner man. I'm going to say it again, in our inner man. I thank you for glory. Glory wherever we're at. Glory, the very nature of God revealing himself, inviting us in. We thank you for new wine that's coming out of the maturing of the cluster on the inside of us. There's new wine that's coming that the world is going to drink of. And most of all today, Lord, we thank you for the dance. I just thank you for the dance. I thank you, God, for all of our dance. God, you're so good. Just look at our lives. Just look at our lives, God. 
Oh, we're just going to dance our way out of here today. We're going to dance our way into our, our week. To quote Leanne Womack from the 90s, I hope you all dance this week. So I just bless you guys in the name of Jesus. We say go be full, go burn bright, go change the world. Hey, can everybody just thank Timothy for coming and blowing that up? All right, I'm going to ask the altar team to come up. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would love to partner in prayer with you. Our senior pastors, Tim Elizabeth Darnell, are going to be right out the back doors there. We'd love to uh, shake your hand. If you haven't met us yet, get to know us. Next week, we're going to start the intro hour. So if it's time to go deeper uh, here in the house, be prepared for that. Have a blessed and incredible week.